Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Hey, thank you so much, worship team, and a special thanks to all those who are um, helping us with our Christmas Eve presentation. Hopefully you were able to catch one of those special services. Wow, mm-hmm. what an amazing job. And it was so wonderful as a church to still kind of be able to connect in a small way over that special night. So that was a really great night. We were able to make a generous donation to a few really, really awesome um, yeah. works in our yeah. city that are out there getting it done. So that was yeah. really wonderful. Yeah, and, and thanks to all those who donate to this ministry and help yeah. us to do Uh, Everything we do, I mean, we were able to make those donations because people had already chosen to give uh, months ago, and we had the resources to be able to do that. So thank you for your generosity. Thank Thank you you. for supporting the mission and vision of Pathway Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I think about the past year, there's there's a lot of negative things that would be easy to focus on, but one of the real victories for us as a church was completing our our stretch campaign, which we have on the wall behind me. Uh, being able to accomplish a significant savings goal and um, excited about what the future holds. And so just want to encourage you to continue to give generously. Thank you for your support. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you can give on the screen. Uh, you can give through e-transfer. You can give through Canada Helps or Tithely. Uh, so there's lots of ways that you can give and support yeah. this ministry. So thank you for that. Today what we're going to do is uh, we're actually going to have a little bit of a throwback. Uh, I wanted wow. to share with you a sermon that I preached five years ago. And I thought this would be fun because next Sunday we're actually beginning a brand new series called You in Five Years. And oh. it's, a, it's an amazing way to start the year just to consider where am I now, where do I want to be, where does God want me to be, and what do I have to do to get there? Uh, so it's a really helpful series to think through how you will take the next steps in your life yeah. and the disciplines and habits that we form and family and all of that. So just as a sort of a fun way, I thought it'd be cool to, to show this message from five years ago. And the emphasis of this message that you're about to hear is really that wherever you focus, it will lead your life. And whatever you look at, it will it'll direct you. And so I just want to encourage you as we close out 2020 and enter into 2021 to have your focus and your attention on the right things. And it can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, so true. Whether it's your marriage, your family, your finances, the government, the economy, COVID, uh, we get to choose what we look at mm-hmm. and what we put our hope in. And so I want to encourage you with that today. Yeah. So we'll turn it over. What are we talking about our eyes uh, today? Uh, you know, it seems like an odd subject to preach about. It seems like an odd subject for me to get up here and talk to you about our eyes of all things. Uh, but what I've discovered is the scriptures are not silent on the subject of our eyes. Our physical eyes, how we use them, what we look at, how it affects us, but also our spiritual eyes. And Paul, when he prays for the Ephesian church, he prays not that their lives would be perfect. He doesn't pray that everything would go well, although that would be lovely. He actually prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would have a new perspective, that they would see what they don't currently see. Sometimes we're going through a situation and we're looking right at our situation. What God wants to do is not necessarily take the situation away, but to turn our, our eyes away from the situation. And so I want to talk to you today about our eyes. And uh, what I want to do is turn to Psalm 121. Now, the author of this psalm uh, is more than likely David. Scholars believe it was perhaps King David writing about a time when he needed help. King David perhaps writing when his son Absalom was chasing him, trying to take his crown, trying to destroy him. 
And, and so, but we're not sure if it was David or not. So we'll just call him the psalmist. And so the psalmist writes these words, which I had to memorize, by the way, as a kid. And I remember memorizing these in the King James. But, but I'll, I'll share that with you in just a sec. But let's, let's read this together in unison, if we can. We'll read the words on the screen. Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And when I learned it, it was, I lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Or some concoction of that. I tend to mix all the translations together. But I remember, I remember memorizing that as a kid, and that was, that was great. I mean, that's, this is a very helpful text, as we're going to see today. But I remember reading it as a kid and going, really? That's what I do when I need help? I lift my eyes to the hills? As if that's going to help. Like, I'm in trouble. There's a hill. I better find it and look at it, right? What do I do if I live in the prairies? God has abandoned me. Okay? <laughs> look towards Edmonton or something. How is this helpful at all? Lifting our eyes to the hills. What I want to talk to you about um, today The psalmist is talking about what to do when we are in need of help. Anybody here need help today? Honestly? Yeah. You need help? Maybe you could turn to the person beside you. I know this is always awkward. Just turn to the person beside you and say, do you need help today? And hopefully they're not moving. Hopefully they're not moving this afternoon. Could be really awkward. (laughs) I'm not even sure why I do this. Every Sunday I get people to turn and say something to their neighbor, right? And it's really awkward if you don't know them because it's like, hi, you know, I'm saying this because I have to say this, good morning, or whatever it is, right? But maybe it just makes it awkward enough that you guys will just look at me for the next 30 minutes. Maybe that's why I do it. Uh, But if you know the person beside you, you can probably just turn and be like, you need help. I know this, you need help. Because here's what I've discovered. In my own life, I've discovered, and as pastoring this church for nearly five years now, I've learned something. I've learned that every single one of us needs help. Nobody is an island. And I don't care how perfect you make your life look, you know you need help. They know you need help. Your kids certainly know that you need help. Okay? This is, this is not, you can't hide it. You need help. We all need help. That's something I've learned. The other thing I've learned is that we rarely, rarely, rarely turn to God until we recognize our need for help. That it is actually the help that we need that often turns us towards God. Like you rarely hear a story, my life was going perfectly and so I decided to give it to Jesus. That's just usually not the story. In fact, your own story might be you came to a moment in your life where you were like, hang on a second, I can't do this on my own. Hang on a second, it doesn't matter how much money I have, it doesn't matter what my friends are like, it doesn't matter what I can do with physical stuff, with my reality, I need help that is beyond this earth. I need help from a God that is above, who created the heavens and the earth. And it's that realization that I need help and that there is help somewhere that I can get that turns our faces and turns our eyes towards heaven. That's what we want to talk about this morning. And so the psalmist says this. He says, when you need help, because here's the situation we find ourselves in. You and I, as we just established, need help. God is willing and able to help. How many of you know God can do th- some things that we can't do? So, so we need help. God is willing and able to help. And most of us live somewhere in the middle. Usually there's a week, a month, a year, a decade, two decades, Sometimes between the time that we turn to God for help and when help comes. Anybody with me? Has anybody experienced this? It's like, God, I know you can help me. Where are you? And there's this sort of space that often we find ourselves in. And so here's the question. What do we do in that space? We need help. God is willing and able to help. What do we do? What do we do with that? And I think the text tells us. The psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I lift them to the hills. Now, what does he mean when he says he's going to lift up his eyes? Well, 
I believe that he means he's going to turn his attention and his gaze and his focus towards something or someone. He's lifting his eyes. And this could be literally looking in his eyes, but also the eyes of his heart, okay? I'm going to turn my gaze, attention, and focus towards something. Did you know, because I did a bunch of research on the eye this week, so I'm almost an eye expert, an optum expert, I don't know, I made that up. <laughs> Optometrist, expert, I kind of jammed them together. Um, so I did all this research on the eye. It's fascinating, some of the things that I learned. Number one, that your face follows your eyes. Did you know that? In fact, you could prove this right now. You could, where you're sitting, you could look at the person like three down in front of you without moving your head, look at them, and after about 10 seconds, it gets very uncomfortable for your eyes. And you will naturally turn your face towards what you're looking at because your ears and your eyes and your face, everything was designed to be facing what you're looking at. Now, here's what else I discovered, that not only does your face follow your eyes, but your body follows your eyes. So if you had a crowd of people standing on the street and a a house catches fire, First thing, people are going to catch it out of the corner of their eye, look. Then their faces are going to turn, because they're going to follow their eyes, and then give it a minute or two, and everybody's bodies will be facing the same way as well. Fascinating. And if you take nothing else away from this sermon, I want you to catch this big idea. It's, It's so huge. That your eyes lead the way. Can we say that? Your eyes lead the way. Literally, that what you look at physically will direct your face and your body and everything will just end up pointing in that direction. That's fascinating to me. But what I also discovered was not only is it true about your physical eyes and your physical body, but it's also true about your heart. And it's also true about your mind. That the things that you focus on, the things that you think about, the things that you you elevate, everything else in your life will begin to direct themselves towards it. In fact, I wrote down that what you choose to focus on will direct and affect your entire life. Did you know that? That what you focus, your your physical eye and your mind's eye upon will direct and affect the rest of your life. I think that's why they say in uh, golf, keep your eye on the ball. It's one of the tips I learned. I'm not a great golfer, but I learned this tip that when you're swinging at a golf ball, and some of you golfers can appreciate this, you got to keep your head down and looking at the ball because there's this tendency to want to look where it's going to go. I wonder where it's going to go. I don't want to miss my shot. So you go like this and halfway through the swing, your head pops up. Now, what happens when your head pops up is uh, your eyes and your face turn, and guess what? Your shoulders follow, and the problem is is that when your eyes and your face turn up, your shoulders turn, and all of a sudden the ball goes over onto that hole where it wasn't supposed to go, hits some poor old guy that's out trying to get exercise to stay healthy, and he ends up in the hospital. Okay, maybe it's not that severe, but your shot goes all over the place. And so what you learn in golf is that you have to keep your head down, eye on the ball, boom. Why? Because your eyes... And your face follows your eyes, and your body follows your face, and throws everything out of whack. Now, if this is true, if what I'm saying to you is true, if your eyes lead your face and your face leads your body, if your eyes literally lead the way in your life, where should you be focusing your eyes? It's a great question, right? Where, where, where should you point them if you want to do well? And the psalmist tells us this. He says, I will lift up my eyes to what? To the hills. Which again brings us to another question. What in the world is he talking about? There's sort of three possible uh, ways that you could interpret this. Number one, he's talking about literal hills. Okay? Like I'm going to find a hill. And this isn't, this isn't unusual because if you were trying to protect yourself, the best place to be is on top of a hill. If you ever played uh, in the schoolyard, the king of the castle, the best defensive position is always the high ground. And so he could be saying, I'm going to get to the high ground when I need help. Don't really think that's what he's talking about. The second possibility is that he's saying, I will lift my eyes to the hills, as in turning my eyes towards Jerusalem. 
Now, if you've never been to Jerusalem, what you'll see as you come up the road towards the city is the city is literally a city set on a hill. I don't know if Jesus was talking about it when he said that we're to be like a city on a hill. And, and Jerusalem at night would be lit up and you could see it for miles. It's literally on a hill. And, and everything in, in Israel would be focused towards Jerusalem. It was the center of worship. It was the place where the temple was, where God's presence was. So, so he could have been literally saying, I'm turning my eyes towards God's dwelling place. But I think he has something else in mind. And the third possible interpretation is this, that he is looking to the hills up to a place of safety and security, up to a place where God dwells and beyond. And he goes on to say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's looking to a God that is above the hills, a God that is over all things created, a God that is greater than the temple. That is where my help will be found. And and so David or the psalmist, whoever this is, is saying, I'm going to put my focus and attention, my heart, everything, and I'm going to aim it at the God who made me. It's an incredible thought, and I want to talk more about uh, what that means for each of us as we carry on. First, I want to talk about our physical eyes, our physical eyes. Again, I have to share all this research that I found. And so I have a picture of an eye, if you can put that up for me. There it is. Now, I think this is a woman's eye, but I can't be certain. Very voluminous lashes. Um, It's a beautiful eye. You can see the intricacy with which the eye is made just from the picture. Uh, But I wrote down some things uh, that I discovered. Um, First one is simply this, that your eyeballs stay the same size from birth till death while your nose and ears keep growing. Did you guys know that? That's really fascinating. I'm a little self-conscious about it, though. Um, So your eyes, they stay the same size. It's an incredible organ. Secondly, the human eye can distinguish about 10 million different colors. That's incredible. That's absolutely phenomenal. Another thing I discovered is that some women have a genetic mutation, that's what they're going to call it, which causes them to see millions of more colors, which totally explains why I need my wife to pick my shirts for me. Because some women have this ability to see more colors um, than some of us men. That's fantastic. There are over two million working parts in the human eye. I don't even know how that's possible, but that's, that's what they tell me. Unbelievable. I mean, you want to talk about design, you want to talk about God forming and fashioning something incredible, just look at the, forget about the whole body, just look at the eye, two million working parts. I think that's why the eye is one of the only organs why, as far as I know, doctors cannot transplant, because there's like hundreds of thousands of nerves connecting your eye to your brain, a little hard to stitch those up, or whatever they do. The eye is so complex, it is so incredible. Um, If the human eye were a camera, it would be 576 megapixels. You think your iPhone is great. That is incredible. 576 megapixels. Now, here's these last two statements about the eye are the ones that I really want us to think about. I want us to think about the significance of this. Uh, they said that when you look at something, 50% of your brain gets involved. Now, I don't know all about the brain, but I know that your brain, you know, little things are firing here and there and all over the place to do different things. But when you look at a picture, when you look at something... Your brain just lights up. What you look at is so interconnected with what's going on inside of you. That's the point, which is absolutely incredible. The other thing I wanted to tell you was this. They said, and I don't know how they measured this, but they said that 80% of our memories are determined by what we see. So when you begin to think about how your brain lights up as you look at something, how 50, 70, 80% of your memories are formed by what you see, begins to put a new perspective on how important it is to control where our eyes are looking, doesn't it? People say, well, I'm just looking at it. No, you're not. You're absorbing it. You're absorbing it. And so we have to be very, very cautious 
and careful with how uh, we use our eyes. So what we look at really does matter. What we look at, it really, really does matter. Our eyes lead the way. Everything else follows, and, and which is why my first point, because I only have two points today. My first point should come as no surprise to anyone. Here it is. First point, your heart will follow your eyes. Think about it. Your heart will follow your eyes. Advertising executives understand this. It's why they spend millions of dollars putting pictures in magazines and videos on screens. It's why they pay millions of dollars for a Super Bowl ad. Why? Because they know that what you see affects your heart, that what you see will create or destroy desires inside of you. They can control some things that are going on inside of you by what you see. I remember I was watching the Super Bowl, I think it was last year or the year before, and I'm watching and I'm kind of like, hey, what are the new commercials going to be? And out comes uh, that guy, Cy, doing Gangnam Style with a bunch of pistachios. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Pistachios? Because what they realize is they want to they increase their sales volume of pistachios. And they know that nobody watching the Super Bowl is looking around for a box of nuts. Right? They're like, where's the chips? Where's the beer? Where's the pop? Where's the whatever? And all of a sudden, they're going, pistachios, pistachios, Gangnam Style. Don't, don't, don't. And everyone's like, I want some pistachios. And guess what happens to pistachio sales? They skyrocket. Why? Because they put it in front of people and allowed you to see it. Women know this. Women know this. If you're a woman and you want to capture a guy's attention, you want his heart to be yours, you spend two hours in the bathroom doing your hair and your makeup, and you've got this dress that you've been waiting for a year to use, and then the guy shows up at the door and he's like, you look amazing. He's like, this whole thing? Right? But you, you know exactly what you're doing because you know, you know. His heart is connected to his eyes. And then you get married and it's a scrunchie and flannel pajamas. <laughs> I feel like I crossed the line there. Just back, up. Just back up a bit. You know this. You know that your heart, your heart is absolutely connected to what you see. We just don't think about it. And so we make excuses about what we put in front of us. And we make excuses about what we focus on, don't we? Right? It's like, you know what? You know, I, I know that focusing on God's important, but right now I just need to focus on my career. But you know what happens when you focus on your career? If you get too crazy with that and you're not focusing on God, all of a sudden you don't even have a heart for Him. You don't even want Him anymore. My marriage is important. I just need to focus on my kids right now. Okay. Do that too long, you may not have a marriage. Okay? So what we focus on, it's connected to our hearts and everything that we look at and everything that we think about, it affects everything that we do. So your heart follows your eyes. I have a picture here I wanted to show you. Um, there it is. Now, most of you probably didn't come to church thinking about pizza, but you're probably going to leave like, hey, I really have this desire to have pizza. It's just, a really, it's a, just a really easy illustration of how this works. You look at that. Some of you didn't eat breakfast this morning, and you're regretting it right now. As you look at that, our heart is connected and follows our eyes. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. In verse 19, many of you will recognize this text if you've been in church for, for more than a year because it's a very popular uh, sermon text. Jesus in this text is going to be talking about money. Now today I'm not talking about money, so I'm going to kind of skip over some of the money stuff. What I want you to see though is that in the middle of Jesus' little sermon on money, he's going to stop and, and, and give two verses to talk strictly about your eyes. Which is interesting to me because when I think about my money, I rarely think about how it's connected to my eyes. I just, it just, that doesn't connect at all. And so Jesus is going to talk about money and we're going to see how he's going to sort of digress and talk about his eyes. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 19 says this. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now there's a whole sermon there. But Jesus is essentially saying, you can, you can put all of, of your attention and focus into this world and the things of this world and love this world, or you can put your eye on God and his kingdom and the future and what he values. And you can, you can decide which perspective you're going to take. You can decide where you're going to lay up treasure, and that's a great message. But here's what I find so fascinating. Here's what he says in the next verse. The eye is the lamp of the body. In the middle of his talk on giving... In the middle of his talk about how money affects us, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. He's like, listen, your eye is literally the window to your soul. What you look at goes inside. Remember we said 80% of your memories formed by what you're looking at. 50% of your brain lights up when you're looking at something. Jesus is literally saying that, that your giving is connected to your heart and your heart is being directed and affected by your eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body. goes on. So if your eye is healthy... Your whole body be full of light. If you're looking at the right things, if you're looking at truth, if you have the right perspective, if, if you're doing it right and looking at the right things, then he says you're going to have light inside of you. He goes on. And he says, uh, but if your eye is bad, if you're looking at it the wrong way, if you're looking at things that are evil, if you're looking at and believing lies, he says your whole body will be full of darkness. Notice the direction of your eyes, the things that you're looking at, and not just looking at, but absorbing are affecting what's going on inside of you. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great, how great is that darkness? I thought about this. Have you ever seen two people go through the exact same situation? So you get two people, they both lose their job. It's tragic. Two people, they're both facing a health crisis. Two people, they both come out of a horrible relationship, been hurt. Two different people, and you'll see their lives. One spirals downward out of control, and one moves on, and, and they have hope and peace in spite of everything that's gone on. And you see that person, and you see the two, and you go, what was the difference? And I would argue to you that in many cases, the difference is their focus. The difference is where their eyes were pointing. You see, it wasn't necessarily the situation, but it was what they were looking at. And what they were looking at was affecting their heart. I wrote this down. You may not be able to change the circumstance. And in most cases in my life and in yours, we can't change our environment. We can't change what's happening around us. But we can decide where we're looking. We can decide where we place our attention, which ultimately will direct our heart. And things can turn out a little different. You guys tracking with what I'm saying? I said to my wife before, I said, I have no idea whether anybody's going to understand what I'm trying to communicate today because it's just so random. But, but our eyes are connected and, and our eyes affect what go, goes on inside of us and ultimately affects our heart. And so again, Jesus is clearly, clearly teaching that our giving and what we give and the generosity and all that stuff is connected to our heart. But our heart is ultimately led by our eyes. And so it's very important where we're putting our eyes so here's my second point, because I said I had two. The second point is simply this, that you cannot sustain a divided heart. Let me read the rest of the text. So Jesus finishes talking about the eyes. How great is the darkness? Verse 24, now he continues his sermon on money. Here's what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus is like, you got to pick. Who's, who's in charge? Who's your first love? Is it me? Is it God? Or is it going to be money? Let me do a little exercise. 
Can you guys focus on that pillar over there? Look at that pillar. Isn't that a beautiful blue? Now I want you to focus on this pillar over here. Isn't that nice? You can see little lines in the plastic or whatever that is. All right. Now I want you to focus at both of them at the same time. You can't do it, can you? And the reason why you can't is because your eyes were wired and designed to focus on one thing at a time, and so was your heart. So was your heart. Designed and wired to focus on one thing, and that one thing will lead and direct the rest of your life. It is so, so important to keep our eyes set on the right things. Uh, I wrote down a few things because I was thinking about this. No matter what you're going through, here's a, here's a couple scenarios. Number one, if you set your eyes on what you don't have, Right? If you're sitting at home being like, man, I wish I had that because they have that and I wish I had that. Or if you focus on what you can't do, I, I can't do that and they're better than me and you're focusing on all those things, it will lead your heart to frustration and depression. Maybe some of you have experienced that. If you keep looking at what you don't have, what you can't do, it will lead you to frustration and depression. If you set your eyes on what you can't control, and there are many things in this life that we can't control. When you set your focus... You set your natural eyes, your emotional eyes, the eyes of your heart on things that you can't control. Let me tell you where you're headed. It will lead to fear. Because it's out of your control. It will lead you to fear. But if you will lift up your eyes to the hills, if you will set your focus and attention on God and what he has spoken and what is true, in spite of your situation, here's, what you, here's where it will lead you. To faith, to hope, and to peace. Your situation may not change, but all of a sudden what's inside of you changes because you're looking at something else. You're looking at light instead of darkness. You're tracking with me. And so what I wanted to do is give you some practical steps. I got three things that I think you can do. Because it's all great to hear about this. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. Now, I've got my, my physical eyes. I need to look at good things. But my emotional and spiritual eyes, how do I focus? How do I lift them to the hills and focus on God? Here's some things that you can do practically. Number one, stop looking at things that will hurt your heart. Just, just stop. At some point, you're going to have to do this. You ever seen the horses? They have blinders so they don't see stuff and get scared. Some, some of you need to do a little bit of this. I'm not talking about burying your head in the sand. I'm not saying, like, this isn't happening. I'm saying, I know that's happening. I know the situation's bad, but I'm going to put up blinders, and I'm going to choose not to focus on it, and I'm going to look to the hills. You can choose to do that. Um, Psalm 101 verse 3 says this. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Because the psalmist is writing that I have the choice of where my eyes are going to face. And, and the choice that I make will ultimately lead and direct my life. This is a big deal. When I was about 12 years old, uh, I was with my dad. I think he was shopping for my mom. It was Christmas. So it was probably that one time of year where my dad goes shopping for my mom. And we were in the women's section of Sears. You know, pretty risque. But we're in the women's section, and he's off looking for something, probably a flannel gown or whatever. And uh, sorry. <laughs> so my dad, he's off shopping. And so my brother and I, uh, my older brother, okay, he's like, Nathan, look at that. And near us, there was this rack of lingerie. And as a 12-year-old boy, I was like, uh, it was like this silk. I mean, it was pretty tame by today's standards. It was like a little silk robe and had fur around the top. And I was like, Ooh. And it was kind of like rubbing in, like, ah, petting the fur. And I turn around, and my brother stops, and I'm still going, and I turn around, and my dad's standing there. And I was expecting him to scold me or hit me or whatever. He didn't hit me. I was expecting him to like, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's horrible. You know, don't even go fool around. He just, you know what he did? He did something that, that I've never forgotten since I was 12. He put his hand on my head. He had a big hand. And he just turned my head away from the lingerie. That's all he did. 
the lesson was clear. I have the control of where I look. I might be standing in the middle of a lingerie section, but I can control what I look at. It's actually a really, really important lesson. And so many people get themselves into trouble because they're looking at the wrong things. There are many people in church today. Pornography is a big deal for a lot of guys. It's a real struggle for a lot of men. And the idea behind it, the lie, is that this doesn't affect me. I'm just looking. You're not looking. You're absorbing. And what you're absorbing will affect your heart. You don't think that'll affect your marriage? Ask your wife if it affects your marriage. It does affect. And so we've got to take control of our eyes. Some of us, you're going to have to just put some blinders on. We're going to have to put some protective boundaries. We're going to have to do some things to protect our eyes. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. Is this helping anybody? Here's the second thing. Um, practically that you can do purpose purpose to lift your eyes to the hills take some practical steps to put the right things in front of your eyes this might mean opening your bible every day this does mean opening your bible every day this might mean finding a devotional something that will encourage you that will put truth in front of you this might mean showing up at church every sunday and you know sometimes you'll come to church most times you'll come to church and you'll hear stuff you already know because it's really hard for me to come up with original material every week. So you're going to keep hearing the same truths, the same, sometimes the same stories over and over and over again. And the idea here isn't necessarily to learn something new every week, but it is to be reminded of what is true. It is literally a setting your eyes upon God and regaining a perspective that you once had. Because sometimes we drift, don't we? Sometimes when I'm driving, I start, I'm looking in there and I'm looking there. And my wife's like, keep your eyes on the road because the car is going into this lane and out of that lane. Because it's really hard to drive in a straight line when your eyes are wandering, isn't it? And so sometimes just coming to church every Sunday is enough to keep your eyes on the road. And we all need that, don't we? And so those are some practical things you can do. Have you ever noticed how when you go on a mission trip, right? Like, so you're looking at your life and you're like, my house, it's horrible. There's a crack in the ceiling. The faucet leaks. And then you'll go to Mexico or Haiti or someplace, third world country, and you'll walk into their house and you're like, they're sleeping on a dirt floor on a mat and they're eating stuff that you won't touch. And all of a sudden, you come home, and you're like, I love you, crack, leaky faucet that pours out clean drinking water. Your perspective changes. All of a sudden, right, you're looking at things in a whole new way. And sometimes the problem um, with our eyes is that we're in the wrong environment. We've got to change our perspective. We've got to change the way we look at stuff, because sometimes our perspective just gets skewed. Hopefully, coming to church will help that. So you can go home and just love on that crack in your ceiling, and thank God you don't live in some other part of the world. Um, here's the last one. I've got to wrap things up. Surround yourself with godly examples. If you want to keep your eyes set upon the hills, if you want to keep your eyes turned towards God, if you want your heart and your life to be focused in a good direction, you've got to surround yourself with godly people. This is why small groups are so important. But small groups are not the only way you can do that. You can find a mentor. You can be a mentor. You can find people that will invest in you. Philippians 3.17 says this. It says, Brothers, Join in imitating me, and look at this, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul literally writes to the Philippians, like, find godly people and get your eyes on them. Watch how they do life. Watch how they handle money. Watch how they treat their husband, their wife, their kids. And you are going to learn things that you won't learn from a book. You've got to get your eyes on some people. And, and that is something that you and I can do. Again, for some of us, it might, you might need to change your environment. You might need to get away from some people and get around some people that will help set your eyes towards the hills and get you the help that you need. Um, I don't know where to go from there. 
How do you wrap this up? Any suggestions? <laughs> Let me read our text one more time, and I want to remind you a few of the key points. That's probably a good way to finish. I, the reason why I say that is because I have a bunch more scriptures and not a bunch more time. Psalm 121, 1-2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. In Hebrews 12, I've got to share this one. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it talks about running the race, the Christian life. Many of you know the text. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's something that each and every one of us has to do for themselves. And then it says, looking to Jesus. We could go all day. There's so many verses talking about where we choose to fix our eyes. And as I said, where we choose to fix our eyes will lead our face, will lead our body, will lead our heart, and affect everything in our lives. Let me finish by saying this. You may not be able to change or control the situation around you, but you do have the choice. Just picture my dad's big hand on your head this morning. You have the choice to lift your eyes to heaven. You can gain a new perspective on your situation. You can move from fear and disappointment to faith in a God that truly is willing and able to help you. Is that helping anybody today? Can I pray for us? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can look to the psalmist and discover what to do when we need help, and every one of us does. Father, teach us to lift up our eyes to the hills. Teach us to look to the God who is willing and able to help at all times. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on what is most important, on you and your kingdom and your truth. God, in this world of of media, in this world of distraction, it is so easy for us to get our eyes off the important and onto the busy and onto the distracting. And I pray today, Lord, that in this moment, as we wrap up this service, that you would just help us in this moment to to choose to turn our eyes toward you, to, to stop believing the lies, things that were said about us, things done to us, and to begin to look to you. You are the source of our help. You are the source of our strength. And we turn to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.